Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. We'll still be in the 17th chapter, but we're gonna go into verses 26 and 27 today. And we're gonna take that a little further as far as God's desire for us in the fact that God wants to be found. The God of creation wants to be discovered by you. He's not hiding. He's not playing hide and seek. God wants to be found. And I pray that what we share from this particular passage and the whole idea of unknowing God, it would help us to be able to see God's heart towards humankind. We're getting now more towards the heart of God in this particular series and really trying to understand how God feels about me. I think it's really important for us to be able to put these pieces together. Because in the first parts, we've been talking about the God of creation, the God that doesn't need us, the God that is self-sufficient, the God that created the world and everything in it. And we've defined that. But now let's make the connection as to this big God that's outside of our universe, that the earth is his footstool and the universe is his throne. This God wants an intimate relationship with me. Now, in Acts chapter 17, we find Paul and Silas. And just for a little recap, we find Paul and Silas in Athens, and they have come to this very philosophical place. This place is known for famous poets and philosophers. And the Bible says that they've gathered to talk about the latest ideas. And while Paul has come to the city center, he sees all these shrines and all these idols, and he finds one that is dedicated to an unknown God. And what the attempt of these people were, if by chance I forgot a God, this is to the unknown God. So Paul takes that, that opportunity to begin to share with them the God that you can't house in a temple, the God that made everything and everything in it. So Paul begins to go ahead and talk about this God, and he's creating a picture of this unknown God that supersedes their gods. So the idols that they have set up, this God that Paul is now introducing to them as the unknown God supersedes the ones that they feel like they know. And I think this is, this is really the call of this chapter and this call to us, that in order for us to be able to really appreciate the God of creation, we must first allow him and our knowledge of him to supersede anything else. So here in chapter 17, starting at verse 26, this is the NIV. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. This is, a, this is a lot to chew. So I said, let me get the Amplified Bible and let's break it down a little bit here, okay? So this is, this is the God of creation now. 
that Paul is talking about. And he says, and he made from one common origin, one source, one blood, he made all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and fixed boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, lands, and abodes. Why? So that they should seek God in hope that they might feel after him and find him, although he is not far from each of us. I believe that this particular text right here encompasses the degree and magnitude by which God wants us to find him. What Paul is trying to show us is that we are all more connected than we realize. Now, a popular belief here was there was different origins. So, so the Greeks, the philosophers, believed that different people had different origins. They didn't attribute all the differences coming from one place. So when Paul is saying this, this is like, what, what is this babbling that this guy is talking about? Because obviously the people from this country have this origin. They have a different origin. Paul is saying here, no, we all have a common origin. And the truth is we are all connected by this unknown God. Now think about this conversation in light of what we're going through right now in our society, where it just seems like everybody and everything is looking for their own identity. Everything is being separate. Everything is looking for outside origin. And when you look for outside origin, that can be a divider from you understanding how God naturally created things in unison. He says, from one man, which we know is Adam, all of the nations, all of the whole earth is inhabited from one person. So when we say one person, we mean one origin. So one creator. So in other words, Paul is basically saying, we are all created by the same God. Now, that may be simple, but I want us to think about it a little deeper. So when we look at each other and we look at our differences, and we look at each other and we look at our struggles and we look at our heritages and all these things that we say make us all different. At the same time, we must admit and confess the commonality that we are all connected to God as the original creator of all of us. Now, with that creation, and we said this before in the first time when God creates something, when God creates something, God takes full accountability and responsibility for the success of that thing. God is not going to create us and then not have a plan for us. God is not going to create us and not have an outlook, a plan. He's not going to create us outside of what it needs, what we need to be successful. So not only did he create from one man all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, but he also marked out their appointed times in history. That's something. Right now, now, now let, let's, let me let me make this personal. When I was born and I went through my life, I didn't know where I was going to end up because my life is evidence of God's goodness. And if you're able to trace and see God's goodness, you will trace his plans the whole time for your life. And see, this is why a lot of times we struggle and we, we feel insecure in life or like directionless. 
and anxious about our future or unsure about things. And not to say that you're going to have perfect assurance all the time, because I guarantee you a lot of times you've taken steps and it was like, I don't know what we're doing. We're just going to just go and do this. But I'm looking for God's goodness along the way, right? I'm, I'm using the track record of God's goodness to trace him, to be able to mark certain things, to have faith and understand that God is with me and that God is going to take care of me wherever I go. Because ultimately, if it's God working in me, he's the one that's guiding my steps. Yeah. And just to add, yeah. like also the fact that he determined the time and place in history, meaning I could have been born in the Middle Ages yeah. and had would have never had any concept or understanding of God and yeah. never came to. I could have been born during the civil rights movement and become an angry Black Panther and never yeah. come to Christ. There are so many scenarios and outcomes that could have happened, yeah. but he determined that 1983 was the best possible time for me to be born for the plan that he had for my life to yield the best possible results that would end up giving him the most possible glory. Yeah. That's amazing. That's enough to make your like brain break. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a brain breaking series. So I hope if your brain is not breaking or cracking a little bit, then we're not doing a good job. But just to think about that, and that is so true. Like, why were you born when you were born? Why did God choose those boundaries? In that particular point in history, he said, put him there. Mm -hmm. It's not no accident. And it, oh, and my, it wasn't right? an afterthought, too. Exactly. Because exactly. I think you, you're thinking of, like, sometimes there, there's the, the idea of God being upstairs, upstairs. The man upstairs. In, right. Yeah. In heaven. Almost like a factory. Like, okay, this one. Okay. Uh, okay. Go ahead. You can go now. Yeah. No, he, he created precise. us precisely having in mind when he, where he wanted to place us. And when, not just when, or not just where, but when and where. Now, come on now. Oh, we just moved here. Oh, we just moved. We just felt like moving to another place. Oh, I grew up in New York. Oh, I grew up in this state. Oh, I grew up in this family. I grew up, all of that was engineered and structured by God. That's what Paul is saying right here. Like this God is not some God that's not involved in your reality. So now this was now so this is the power of this whole thing because what Paul was saying was he was actually challenging the Athenians view of gods. Yeah. They view gods as these super beings that were outside of their uh, uh, of of their universe and not really caring about the issues of man. They, they, these gods didn't really pay much attention to mankind. Mankind is just whatever, you know, it was just inferior race that, you know, are these inferior beings. Mm -hmm. And Paul is now creating this. So, so because they were inferior beings, the God's disposition towards those beings were, was that of, I don't care. But yet they believed that those gods were connected to things that they needed. So they would create these shrines and worship whatever that God meant. So if it's a God facility, I want to have a baby. So let me worship this God. Let me go to this shrine and serve this God and get this God's attention. Because this God is not really concerned about me. This God don't care about me. So let me just go ahead and worship this God and do what I can and serve and serve and serve and worship this God because I want what this God gives. Mm -hmm. So it's more so you have to worship this God in order to get this God to do something for you because technically you're not on his radar. 
And what Paul is doing is he's revolutionizing this whole thing by saying, hold on, this God created everything and everything in it. He also created all of us and we're all connected. So you be from here, you from here, you from here. But this God is intricately involved and definitely has a purpose and plan for your existence. And he, he, he mapped out not only what race you were, he also mapped out where you're going to be born, when you're going to be born, where you're going to live, where you're going to move to. He, he's mapped all of this stuff out. Now think about that, like that level of involvement that the God of creation has in our lives. And like we're saying today, he wants to be found. We're talking about the God that created everything that wants a relationship with you. He doesn't need it. He wants it. And our discovery of that desire and heart of God will cause us to find him. So the point in times in history, the boundaries of their lands, the boundaries of their habitation the allotted periods of time that they would be born. God did that. The lands and the settlements that they would be living in. Think about in history, the nations that rise and nations that fall. All that was in God's time. What civilizations will be around? What wouldn't? All that is in God's time. So our very existence is not isolated from what God is trying, God is, is doing in the earth. So you said something Dave, that was that was good, like, you know, being, being God knew that I was going to be born at this time for his purpose for me. And even grander than that, his purpose for me, that is really God's purpose through me for that time. Right, right. And for the people in that time. Right. Like, it's not just about you. It's about what God put inside of you that is relevant for the time and the season in history and the people that you're going to be around and the people in that civilization mm. and the people at that job and the people at your family and the people that are still alive, all the people that you will come in contact with, God's purpose was relevant for him to put you there at this particular time. You're not an accident. This is what Paul is saying. So this is so, so this God is really busy, huh? This God is very involved. This God is very concerned. He's not upstairs playing you know, some game while we're just living. He's actively involved. Mm. Now, why did God do all this? Why is God this involved in our lives, whether we acknowledge him or not? Now, notice that we never said anything about God doing it based on us acknowledging him. Because once again, God is secure, right? We said that before. He's a God of creation. He's not served by man's hands. There's nothing that we can do to make God feel like he's more God. You praying to God is not going to make God feel better and make him feel more macho in his godness because you prayed. Neither is going to stop him from doing what he would do because he's God. So our natural response to our understanding of God's godness is worship, is prayer, is praise, is godly living. That's the fruit of our understanding of God's goodness. Mm. So we're not doing God any favors by, look, the Bible says it's your reasonable service, right? right? So that means it's the natural response. One plus one equals two. And if you understand the equation, you'll know the answer. So why did God do this? 27, so that they should seek him. 
God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from us. So now, and I think this is the crux of the gospel. This is the crux of God's heart towards us and that he wants to be found. God is always trying to reveal himself to you. God is all up in your business all the time because he wants you to, by chance, trip over him. Now, what this, this, this verse is so powerful in that everything that we're doing in life, like if God is created of the world and God has uh, ordained your birth and God, no matter the circumstances, and God has strategically placed you where he wants you, that very God is actually setting you up to find him. Think about that. Think about that. That God, the God of creation, has set you up to feel after him and find him. And this is why we always encourage people when we talk to them, like, God is not afraid of your questions. God is not afraid of what's on your mind. He already knows. God is not afraid of your doubts. God is not intimidated by your fears. God doesn't feel better about himself if you don't believe him or if you do believe him. God is God. But it's, 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 it's a humility and it's, a, um, it's, a, it's the revelation of how grand God has created things around us to observe that are all uh, pointers for us towards God. So the reason why we started this series by talking about God and the God of creation is because creation is the number one way that God has revealed himself to every living creature, which is why it's inexplicable. When you look in creation, you have questions. And those questions lead you to God. When you look at certain events, those questions lead you to God. And see, this is why the spirit of religion is so dangerous, because the spirit of religion creates a false sense of confidence in your own knowledge of God. Yeah, understanding of God. Right. Concepts, yeah. I, I, I've been in church all my life. I, I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I know all the words. I know all the, 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 the stuff. And you, you, you forgot that you have no idea how your heart is still beating. And I use that because that's the closest thing to us, right? In your physical body, you don't even know the names of every cell in your body. They all have names. You don't know the names of the vessels and the organs and the ligaments and the bones. Each bone has a name. You don't even know that. So there's this unknowing that we have become accustomed to, and we have to be careful that the closer we get to God, there's still a lot more that there is to apprehend about God. And it's staying in that unfamiliarity and staying in that mind-blowing, perplexing space that creates an opportunity and perfect conditions for us to always have a worshipful posture towards God. I don't know everything, and I'm never going to know everything. So instead of me being frustrated by my lack of knowledge, that should draw me to inquire of God and to worship him because ultimately he knows it all. This is what this text is, is showing us, that your questions are designed to cause you to feel after God. 
so that you might happily find him. There was a, in the King James Version, it says, these things were created. God did it this way. God formulated your life this way so that by chance you might happily find him. Seek him and find him. So God is not playing hide and seek. God is not playing games with your life. God wants to be known by you, but he wants to be known the way he wants to be known and not the way we want to know him. You know how we are. We pick and choose our friends and we pick and choose how we want to know people. Oh, that's enough. I don't want to know all of that. I didn't ask you all of that. You know, I, I don't want to know all of that because then that's going to change my relationship with you. So I'm going to keep you over here and just tell me that much about it. Or we, we, we hide stuff about ourselves so that we can be more, we can control how we are known so that we are not known fully because we hide aspects of ourselves to try to make ourselves more desirable. But God doesn't do that. God wants to be known as he wants to be known. And God has created an opportunity for all of us to get to know him intimately through a lot of our questions. Through a lot of our confusion. Through the fact that we are perplexed. Through how we're amazed. God wants to use all of that to make himself known so that we might feel after him. So that this part was really powerful. This is almost like a blind person that is reaching out into the darkness, feeling after God that you might find him. So God is first acknowledging the fact that you can't see me and there's going to be aspects of me that you're not going to be able to sense because I'm God. And you have to be okay with that, right? But just because you can't sense the totality of God doesn't mean he doesn't want to be found. Just because you can't see him moving all the time and you, you, don't, you can't trace him all the time doesn't mean he's hiding. But there's a way to find God that you might apprehend him in genuinity. And that's really what it is, right? It is so easy for us to fall into this trap of Knowing God surfacely, knowing God through traditions and through old wives' tales and words and things that we've heard and situations that we've gone through in our life. And it's not the real God. It's not the God of creation. It's not the God that actually comes after you. This is a God. And we, as human beings, we want to create a shrine. Mm -hmm. It's just easier. I, I want, I want, okay, God, this is what I want. So I'm going to pray to you because I need this. So I'm going to worship you and pray to you because of this, because I don't believe that you are really concerned about me. I believe that I got to do this, 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 and that to get your attention for her to do it. But God is flipping that on us and he's saying, no, I'm involved in your life and I've been involved in your life before you even acknowledge me. You, you were born because I purposed it. The day that you came out of your mother's womb, I purposed that. How long you stayed in the hospital, I purposed that. What hospital you were born at, I purposed that. Will you be living at this age in your life, I purposed that. All of this I purposed so that you might seek after me and happily find me. So this is whole idea of reaching after God that is so profound that I pray that is being done in your heart and soul in this series. That you haven't gotten so comfortable with God, comfortable with church, 
comfortable with your mentality and your understanding of who God is, that you might not be like a child and be reaching after God. I just wanted to read Jeremiah yeah, 29, yeah. Um, starting at the 11th verse. And this is basically about like when the, the children of Israel were in captivity in Babylon mm -hmm. and, you know, God addresses them and says, you know, after, after you live out your punishment, you mm -hmm. know, because we know God used Israel's enemies to punish them, yeah. right? To teach them a lesson. Mm -hmm. But after you live out that captivity, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, mm -hmm. declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. Mm -hmm. So there goes, mm -hmm. you know, another reference. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Paul says, he says, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search mm -hmm. with your whole heart. Mm -hmm. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and mm. I will restore you from the captivity and gather you from all the nations and places to which I banish you, declares the Lord. I will restore you to the place from which I sent you into exile. So basically, you know, just tying in that yeah. theme yeah. throughout not only history and scripture, but right down to us today is still relevant seeking God with our whole heart. When we purpose ourselves to seek God and follow after God, he's saying, I'm right here. I, I'm, I'm waiting to be found. Right. And when you decide to seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Yeah. And that goes to a question that when we were talking this morning and I mm -hmm. was like, just kind of sharing like what I was getting from the series and some of the questions that I still had, because like you said, we all yeah. have questions. Yes. Like, yes. And so I said, right now I'm dealing with the idea or concept of God that I created through experiences, disappointments, and what mm -hmm. I was taught. Mm -hmm. And now I'm having to reconcile who I thought God was with the reality of who he really is and finding who, like, I, I think I said, and I'm, I'm questioning how will I know that I have fully encountered the God of the Bible and not the God of my imagination. Mm -hmm. And the answer is right here. When you seek with your whole heart, you'll find him. Yeah. So not reserving part of my heart for holding on to what I still am mm -hmm. comfortable with mm -hmm. or reserving that part of me or my heart that doesn't want to be disappointed by what I would prefer. Mm -hmm. But when I relinquish all control and give my entire heart to purposing to finding him, I'll find him. Yeah. We'll find him. He's not hiding. No. God is not hiding from us. So we pray that you were encouraged by what we shared today and that this will encourage us as we're looking for God, as we're praying, as we're reaching for God not reaching in fear and trepidation as if you're trying to catch a God that is playing like, oh, come up higher, come up higher, come up. No, you got to reach higher. No, you got to come closer. No, you got, no. God is in the most obvious places. His goodness is surrounding us. See, be careful that you're not looking for an image or an idol or, or, or some other tangible thing when God's goodness is right in front of you. Hmm. 
the faithfulness of God is right outside your window. The protection of God is right there. The faithfulness of God is allowing you to even breathe, right? That's how close God is to us. And Paul basically closes that phrase with, he is not far from any of us. That has nothing to do with whether you have a relationship with him or not, because he's talking to these Greek philosophers who don't even know who he is. Imagine a secure God like that, that he's not far from any of us. And once you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. Because why? God wants to be found. So may, may we find him anew today. Amen. Lord, we are grateful and we thank you for just being findable. Thank you, Lord, for not being too far from us and too removed from us that we can have a relationship with you because you loved us first. And in our flaws and in our imperfections and the times that we feel like we need to distance ourselves from you or even the times you feel far away from us, thank you for letting us know today that you are never far from any of us. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would open up our eyes to see your goodness, to see your provisions, to see your kindness that's bestowed upon us, to see your faithfulness even in our bodies, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that all the needs, spoken and unspoken, will be met by you. Thank you, Lord, for this series and how you're reintroducing yourself to each and every one of us. And may we not allow ourselves to create idols, and put them in your place, but help us to keep you where you belong. You are the God of creation. So we give you praise, Lord. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We wanna know about it. Connect with us online at www thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.